Hey folks, Andy Patton here, and it is another jam-packed episode of Mailbag Monday here at Locked On Zags, discussing Tyrese Hunter, Kevin McCollar, bracket buster matchups, and a whole lot else right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. I also want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day, especially as we get into the off-season. I also want to thank all of you who have listened to the show on YouTube. If you have not done so yet, we are over 600 subscribers, which is fantastic. Thank you to every single one of you who has subscribed. We're trying to get to 1,000 by the start of the next college basketball season. So go to YouTube.com, search Locked on Zags, hit that subscribe button. I sincerely appreciate it. Today is Mailbag Monday. As a reminder, for those of you who would like to be involved in Mailbag Monday, there are multiple ways to do so. You can reach out to me on Twitter at ScoreZagsScore or at LockedOnZags. Whenever you are thinking of a question, you can DM me, you can respond to a tweet, whatever it may be. Just let me know you're thinking about asking something for Mailbag Monday. I also post a tweet on Sunday mornings. You can respond to that tweet to get your question in the show. And finally, you can email me at any point with a question at andypatton013 at gmail.com. All right, let us get right into it. This first question comes from John via Gmail. John says, There are some who believe that we might be successful in getting Tyrese Hunter as a transfer and also that Razier Bolden and Julian Strother will be coming back. With five very good guards, all of them capable of starting, do you think that if events shake out like that, it means that Drew Timmy is less likely to return? My thought process is maybe the staff realizes that if Timmy is most likely does not return, they would prefer a three-guard starting lineup with Strother at the four and Efton Reed at the five. Coming off the bench would be the two guards that don't start, along with Watson for an eight-man rotation. That doesn't even include Greg or Perry. What do you think about that thinking? So I understand the, this thought process. Like, I think it makes sense. But I don't think that this is how the staff is thinking. I think there's we've seen a lot of questions for Mailbag Monday that are kind of like, do you think this means this about this player? If the staff knew what Drew Timmy or Julian Strother would do, were doing, they would make conscious efforts that way. But I, they don't. They don't know what those two guys are doing at this point. They probably they have a better sense than we do. Certainly, I, I believe that. But I, I think that the their goal right now is to bring as many talented players to Spokane, Washington as possible. They're going to prep as if Julian Strother is gone. They're going to prep as if Drew Timmy is gone. And if those guys are back, if they return to campus, and, and this includes Razier Bolton, if he returns to campus, they will figure out a way to get all of those guys playing time. They'll, they'll, they'll make it work. But I don't think that the staff is making decisions based on that. I also want to push back a little bit on the thought process that Tyrese Hunter, Razier Bolton, and Julian Strother are all going to be in a Gonzaga uniform. It's possible. I don't want to say that there's a 0% chance that that happens, but I think that it is very, very unlikely. I think if Tyrese Hunter, who's visited Spokane this past weekend, if he committed to Gonzaga, I think the odds of Bolton and Strother coming back would be very, very slim. I think Bolton would be less likely to return because Gonzaga is going to want to do some of those two-point guard lineups with Hickman and Hunter. And with Hunter Salas still in the mix, Dominic Harris back, I just... I think it'd be a little bit less likely that that would happen. Again, it's possible, but I don't think that it's particularly likely. And I also don't think that 
if those things were to shake out that way, that it really has any indication about what the staff thinks about Drew Timmy's potential return or not. Next question comes from Jacob Quarter 2 on Twitter, who says, Does the 2021 transfer and recruiting class have the chance to be the best class the Zags have brought in? If not, which class is better? Now, Jacob's referring to the 2021 recruiting class and including Efton Reed, who was a 2021 recruit as well. So that would make the class Chet Holmgren, Hunter Salas, Nolan Hickman, Ben Gregg, Caden Perry, and Efton Reed. That is a phenomenal class. I am guessing if we're counting Efton Reed, that we would in theory also count Tyrese Hunter were he to come to Gonzaga. In that case, it's that's a really, really, really good class. Chet Holmgren, obviously, one of the most talented players to ever come through Gonzaga. Lottery pick, one and done, all of that good stuff. Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman both have the potential to be NBA players as well. Ben Gregg and Caden Perry, kind of the jury's still out there, but I think they're both high-level bigs who should contribute to this team before their college career is up. Efton Reed's going to start for this team next year. He has the potential to be an NBA player as well. Tyrese Hunter would, would absolutely round it out. I didn't do all of the math to figure out how transfers would go back and forth for, for former classes, but I think that the only class that this 2021 class really strongly has to compete with is the 2016 recruiting class, which included Zach Collins, who of course was a one and done and is still playing in the NBA. It included Rui Hachimura, who was a lottery pick and also an NBA player. It included Killian Dilly, who was a four-year starter for the Zags or four-year player for the Zags, three-year starter for Gonzaga and is also an NBA player. And it included Zach Norvell, who unfortunately did not really stick in the NBA after declaring early out of Gonzaga, but was an extremely talented player in his two years in a Gonzaga uniform as well. I don't think the 2021 class is there. There's a potential that they would get there if you're going to count Efton Reed and Tyrese Hunter, uh, but ultimately that 2016 class is really, really hard to beat. Final question of the first segment comes again from John via Gmail. John says, Gonzaga seems to be linked to both Tyrese Hunter and Kevin McCullough. Kansas is also linked to both. There are some analysts who feel that if Kevin McCullough goes back to school, that Gonzaga will get one of these two players and Kansas will get the other. Can you see that happening? And which one in your mind fits better for Gonzaga's needs? What do you think the chances are that we get one of them? Yeah, so this is kind of the the prevailing thought by most analysts who are out there kind of covering this stuff is that Tyrese Hunter and Kevin McCullough are both just choosing between Kansas and Gonzaga. It would be unlikely that they would both go to the same school, although they don't technically play the same position, so they could. And it is possible that that were to happen. I think the biggest hinge, there's two big hinges here. One of them is whether McCullough is going to keep his name in the NBA draft, which seems very, very possible if you were to look at mock drafts right now. He's very frequently on them as a second round pick. So I think there's a pretty reasonable chance that he does not end up at Gonzaga or Kansas because he decides to stay in the NBA. The other big factor is what happens with Julian Strother. Strother and McCullough play fairly similar positions. They're both about six, I think Strother's six, seven. I think McCullough's listed at six, six. They're both wings. They're both very good defensive players. McCullough is more advanced on the defensive end of the floor. Strother is a better shooter. Uh, but I think ultimately, while I think Gonzaga could play both of them together, I would be somewhat surprised if they did. I think Gonzaga is going to have one of those two players on their roster next season, but I do not know which one. Uh, in terms of fit, if Strother leaves, if Strother, if Strother stays in the NBA draft, McCullough is a better fit. He plays the wing. Gonzaga has a lot of guards already. He's a great, great defensive player. Gonzaga lost a phenomenal defensive player in Chet Holmgren. Now, they do not play the same position, but it's still nice to get players who are very good on that end of the floor onto the roster. If Strother returns, 
I think you could still make a strong argument that McCuller would be a really, really nice piece to add to the team. Maybe you do play Strother more in the small ball four role. I think that's possible that Gonzaga would look to do that. But ultimately, I think it would be really close between McCuller and Hunter at that point. But I think if Strother returns, I would rather have Hunter. Gonzaga loves playing two point guards. And I think Tyrese Hunter and Nolan Hickman playing at the same time would be really, really good. Hunter Salas, Dominic Harris is an outstanding group of guards. Tyrese Hunter's really good. Dude averaged five assists per game last year at Iowa State as a true freshman. He's a phenomenal passer. He's a good scorer. He's a gifted defensive player. Him and Nolan Hickman being the two primary point guards for this team would be awesome next season. All right, we're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to answer even more listener-submitted questions. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you all about Built Bar. Summer is coming, and with the summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everyone has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bars, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both. Have you tried the Built Puffs yet? We're going crazy for the Puffs. They come in all kinds of flavors like banana cream pie and even churro. Who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like a churro? And they're only 140 calories. If that's not enough flavor for you, then you might want to try the Mixed Box. The Mixed Box, con- mixed box contains 12 flavors of bars and puffs. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Go to Built.com to get all of your favorites. Banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. They're all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. Check them out at Built.com. Go to Built.com now and use off promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, segment two still... Andy Patton still locked on Zach, still answering listeners' submitted questions all episode long for Mailbag Monday. This first question comes from Jacob Quarter 2 on Twitter, who says, Looking at the possible revival of the Bracket Buster Challenge got me thinking. What are some specific teams you wish the Zags faced off against using the proposed format? So yeah, again, we talked about this extensively on Friday's episode for those who missed it. Matt Norlander at CBS posted a great article discussing this plan that was proposed by Brian Taylor, the WAC commissioner, all about bringing back the Bracket Buster Challenge effectively. It is a proposal for two weeks in February, or excuse me, one week in February, to be all all the conferences that are involved would, instead of playing conference games, they would play a non-conference game against another team that was determined via analytics to be like their closest match. So if the WCC were involved, Gonzaga would play the best team, you know, whatever, wherever Gonzaga was in the analytics rankings, like in Ken Palm and various other sites, they would play like the be- most comparable team. So this would be awesome for the Zags. They get a really, really tough challenge in mid-February, which is when they kind of need to have some of those tough challenges where people have criticized their schedules too easy some of the time. Last year, they would have probably played Houston. And that would have been phenomenal. Houston, Kelvin Sampson, phenomenal coach. That team was a five seed, but they were underseeded. They were extremely, extremely good. The current proposal, it doesn't look like any of the Power Six programs, Power Six conferences, excuse me, so the Power Five as well as the Big East. I don't think any of them are going to be involved. So Gonzaga wouldn't get a chance to play like Duke or Baylor or North Carolina or anybody like that in the middle of the season. But they would get a chance to play somebody like Houston 
or somebody like Memphis, who is a team that they've played frequently in February back, you know, 10, 15 years ago when they used to play more non-conference games. In February, uh, Mountain West, they might play San Diego State or Boise State or somebody like that. There's a lot of really great teams. Houston's the, the big winner. If Gonzaga got a chance to play Houston in February, that would be a must-watch game. That would be one of the best games in all of college basketball, I think, without a doubt. That'd be really, really fun. So that's the kind of team that this is that's the kind of game that this challenge is supposed to bring out and hopefully will be something that will be agreed upon to to potentially go into to go into effect, not this upcoming season, but probably the year after that. All right, next question comes from Dad Risk on Twitter, who says, who is the best NBA prospect in the Gonzaga pipeline right now? You can include Strother and can also include committed recruits if you think there's legitimacy to the Dusty Stromer, Tyler Hero comp I saw on a Jeff Goodman tweet. Yeah, I kind of understand that comp for Stromer for the record, but it's hard for me to to rank him too high among NBA draft uh, kind of caliber players because he's not even, he's a high school junior, so it's pretty early for that. But here's kind of the list that I have right now and in in the order that I think that they would count. We're, up, we're not counting Chet Holmgren, obviously, because he's not coming back to Gonzaga. I did not choose to count Drew Timmy in this uh, because I think he's probably leaving. But again, there is a chance that he could return. But the list that I have right now, Hunter Salas, number one. Julian Strother, number two. Nolan Hickman, number three. Efton Reed, number four. And then Dusty Stromer, number five. I put four other guys on the list as well. Dominic Harris, Braden Huff, Caden Perry, and Anton Watson. Those are all guys that I think there is a you can squint and see an NBA career for them. Like it is possible that those guys play in the NBA. Braden Huff obviously has not played a single second of college basketball, so it's a little too early to make a judgment on him. Caden Perry, the back injuries are very severe and significant, but he's six foot ten and can jump out of a gym, so there's definitely some some elements there that could could turn into an NBA player. Dominic Harris, we haven't seen a ton of him. He's a phenomenal scorer. He's an elite outside shooter. Mark Few said he's one of the best defensive players on the team. So if all that comes together, there's definitely a possibility that he could be an NBA player as well. Anton Watson is probably the most controversial name on here. uh, And he is not currently an NBA player. I don't want to pretend that I think, yeah, he just plays like that again next year. He's going to get drafted. No, that's not the case. But he's an he's he's. Very, very, very good defensive player. He's built like an NBA wing. He's a tough physical kid, but he's got a lot of work to do on the offensive end before he could get there. Next question comes from John via Gmail. John says, before COVID, grad transfers were able to play immediately, but undergraduate transfers needed to sit out a year. With all the players eligible to play immediately with no sit-out ramifications, and with over 1,400 players in the portal this year, do you see the transfer market going back to the way it was to potentially cut down on the, for lack of a better word, chaos? Well, I think an important distinction here is that the players in the transfer portal had to have de- decided on where they were going before or they had to have entered their name into the portal, excuse me, before May 1st in order to not have to apply for a waiver. So that is, there is a rule. Now, over 1,400 people entered their name into the transfer portal. A lot of them are still looking for schools, but they would still be able to transfer without penalty free. So to answer the question, yeah, I think there's something's going to probably need to change, and I think something will change. I do think that it will just kind of gradually, like it's kind of the hot new thing right now, and I think it'll eventually just kind of die down a little bit as, as teams kind of figure out what the best way for them to build their team is. I think certainly there's going to be some some rules that impact NIL. 
there's already putting in a lot of rules to prevent boosters from having as much of a role as they currently do. The NCAA decided to just not enforce the rules that they decided that they initially planned to have and have not been doing anything for about a year because the NCAA is horrifically poorly run organization, which is a pretty well-known fact at this point. But ideally, the NCAA will start to establish some rules, some parameters around what this looks like for NIL. I believe strongly that students should be able to make a lot of money via this. Like, I don't think that they should be capped in that regard. A little bit more on that later. But I do think that the amount of students entering the transfer portal, the amount of students that are changing schools is probably something that needs to be changed. But again, I'm a very free market. I'm in, in, in proponent of that. I think that these players should be able to choose where they play basketball and they should have the option to change schools if they want to do that. So I'm not sure how much it's going to change overall. But I do think that over time, the pendulum will kind of swing back to being a little bit more normal than it's been the last couple of seasons. All right, two segments down. We're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to answer even more listener-submitted questions. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. The 2022 NCAA tournament is in the books with a win secured by Bill Self and the Jayhawks of Kansas. While the Zags unfortunately fell short of the game's final week, that does not mean fans cannot remain in on the action. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it, BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on SAGs, and we're still answering listener-submitted questions all episode long for Mailbag Monday. This next question comes from J. Brown Buzz City on Twitter, who says, is Brandon Clark the tallest six foot eight person of all time? <laughs> he, he really plays like it. For those who haven't been paying attention, Brandon Clark was absolutely killing it for the Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies in the playoffs this year. He looked like a bona fide superstar, averaging like 16 and 9 during their playoff run. Uh, Brandon Clark was criticized coming out of the draft for his size. He was six foot eight. He had a six foot eight wingspan. There was some concern that he wouldn't be good. In, he basically, the elite defense we saw from him in college wouldn't translate as well to the pros. His style of scoring, where he does most of his scoring around the basket, wasn't going to translate. He fell significantly in the draft. There was a lot of talk that he'd be a lottery pick, uh, potentially top 10 pick. He ended up falling all the way to 21 overall. Memphis drafted John Morant number two and Brandon Clark number 21. And I have a feeling that they feel pretty darn good about that at this point in the season with the way he's been playing lately. Next question comes from Jacob Quarter 2 on Twitter, who says, let's have a little bit of fun. In the future, let's say that you are calling Zag games. What Zag men's basketball alumni would you want calling games with you? Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot of great choices here. I think the first ones that you got to bring up are the ones who legitimately do this already for a living. So, of course, that's Adam Morrison, who's on the radio right now. There's also Dan Dickow, who, of course, calls games on TV with Greg Heister. And, of course, Richard Fox, who calls games alongside them. Uh, all of those guys would be great. They're all great analysts. They're all, you know, they're professionals. They're very good at this already. I think I would probably prefer Fox. Uh, I love listening to Richard Fox. I think he has really, really good insight and analysis into the team. 
and I think he's just got a good banter back and forth. Like, I think it'd be really fun to call games with Richard Fox. I think a couple other options of non-current broadcasters who would be great. Uh, Eric McClellan is somebody that I've always enjoyed speaking to, that I've enjoyed listening to him, uh, not just like his tweets, but also just him in conversation with interviews. I, I think he would provide a really, really good insight into this. Gino Crandall, a lot of the same reasoning behind uh, that choice there. He you, he watches Gonzaga basketball games. He tweets through Gonzaga basketball games. I think he would offer a ton of fantastic insight. Admon Gilder is another one. He's done some podcasting in the past. He's done some uh, kind of some things in the basketball media landscape, and I think he would be fantastic. And then finally, Rony Turioff. I love Rony Turioff. I think he's awesome. I think he's fun. He's engaging. He's interesting. He has a really unique perspective, frankly, on life uh, and also on basketball. And I think uh, I would feel like a podcast if me and Rony Turioff were calling a game together because I think I would just chat the entire time with him and it would be like Bill Walton a little bit. I'm not sure how much we'd be talking about the game on the court, but uh, he's a super fascinating guy and I think would be a really, really fun person to talk to uh, with with a basketball game on or not. Next question comes from Josh at SchwaderZag62 on Twitter. He says, thoughts on Zags versus Oregon Tuesday. Several sites have this as a projected regional matchup. How would you manage Gonzaga's arms, such as William Kempner and Owen Wilde? Would you do a piggyback game three of every series? I'd hate to be another team facing that. Yeah, so this is a big game coming up for Gonzaga's uh, baseball program. They're going to be playing Oregon on Tuesday of next week, and then they got three after that against the University of San Diego on the road. Their final four games of the season after they play Santa Clara this upcoming weekend. Uh, So really, really big games. The Zags need to do well here if they want to secure the opportunity to host a regional right now. They're kind of right on the line between hosting or not hosting a regional. So this is a big, big weekend coming up against Santa Clara, big week coming up next week against Oregon. I'll be really interested to see what they end up doing. Uh, William Kempner being healthy now has put them in a situation where they kind of have four really good starting pitchers for three days. Friday is going to be Gabriel Hughes. Saturday is going to be Tristan Vreeling. Sunday is probably going to be William Kempner, but do they throw Kempner for three or four innings and then throw Owen Wilde for the rest of the game? Or do they save one of those guys to pitch on Tuesday against Oregon? That's a really good question. I could understand totally if they thought they could get five or six good innings out of Kempner and then just go to the bullpen, save Owen Wilde, have him start on Tuesday against Oregon. But also last week they started Alec Gomez against Washington and he was awesome. He completely carved up Washington's hitters. Oregon is better than Washington, but I think Gomez proved he deserves an opportunity. So if the Zags could get by on sat on Sunday against Santa Clara, throwing Kempner and Wild, piggybacking those two guys off of each other, saving the bullpen, and then turning to Gomez on Tuesday against the Ducks, that would be fantastic. I think they would love to get away with doing that. But it kind of depends on how healthy Kempner is. He just came back from an injury. If they don't feel like you you don't want to push him too much. Hey, go out there and throw six innings if he can. And he's going to hurt himself and he's going to cost himself the opportunity to throw in a regional. So they got to play it by ear. They got to feel out how their arms are feeling, how healthy they all are. But I think they would love the opportunity to to let Kempner go a little bit deeper on Sunday and potentially use Owen Wilde along with Gomez against the Ducks on Tuesday. Final question of the show comes from Stephen DeWitt at S underscore DeWitt 11 on Twitter. He says, if NIL was available in the past, what would have been the best partnership with any athlete? This is a great question. Uh, I think there's so many different Gonzaga possibilities 
Uh, so many. I mean, we, we got to see one of the best ones when Drew Timmy and the Dollar Shave Club. I think that's a match made in heaven. Uh, obviously, Drew Timmy was so iconic for his mustache, is so iconic for his mustache, his facial hair. Gonzaga has had so many players who are known for their hair. This is like a huge part of the program's history. Dan Dickow is a part of that. Matt Bolden is a part of that. Uh, obviously, Adam Morrison is a part of that. Like the, Kevin Pangos is a part of that. Like they've had a lot of dudes with a lot of floppy hair. Kelly Olynyk. So I think something like that would definitely be like the funniest matchup. I think Adam Morrison doing shampoo companies would have been pretty funny. Uh, I think Roni Trioff would have killed it in just about any avenue because of how charismatic he is, because of how really good he was on the basketball court. He's just this big dude, big, goofy personality. I think he would have been phenomenal. I think, you know, Dan Dickow or Kevin Pangos doing something with a hair product company also would have been pretty entertaining. Uh, Also, you know, it doesn't always have to be hair. Rob Sacre, maybe we maybe we do something with Mr. Clean. Maybe we do something in that regard. Uh, I think there's definitely some avenues for some pretty humorous ones in that regard. Uh, but uh, even beyond that, I mean, there's just there's been so many charismatic, goofy, fun-loving, attention-seeking characters in Gonzaga's history. So many guys that I think would have done so so well had this been an opportunity presented to them. Frankly, it's a crime that it wasn't. Uh, the the opportunity to benefit and, and the way that NIL is currently being utilized is not the way that it should have been intended to be utilized. We've talked about that on this podcast a handful of times, but it's worth continuing to reiterate that the idea that student athletes should profit off of who they are doesn't necessarily mean that the best student athletes should get paid more and that schools should be recruiting athletes and pulling them away from other schools. Some of the stuff that we're seeing that is maybe unintended, unintended consequences of all of this, but a student who is well-known in their community, who has maybe a goofy look to them because of their hair, because of their style, because of their charisma, whatever it may be, who then partners with a company that has a similar branding message to them, that is kind of alike to them, and those two combine together to kind of help each other out. That is what I think that this is intended to do. So that's why like Drew Timmy Dollar Shave Club, that that to me feels like what NIL kind of should be. Drew Timmy is this charismatic person. He's got this funny facial hair. Having him shave and then having it come out that he was shaving because of, you know he had this partnership with Dollar Shave Club, that to me is perfect. That, that The fact that he wasn't allowed to do that before is what was sad. There are obviously also students who are doing such great work partnering with companies in ways that are raising money for the community. Roz Bolton, phenomenal at that. Dominic Harris recently secured a deal with a restaurant in Spokane where there's a sandwich called The Dominator. Uh, and if you purchase The Dominator, some part of the proceeds to that sandwich goes towards a charity. That That is awesome. I love that kind of stuff. And I think that's what the focus should be when there's this kind of negative attention, negative conversation regarding NIL, uh, it's important to remember that there are ways that this is being used so well. And it doesn't mean that these students shouldn't be getting money. Like, yeah, it's cool that Dom is giving part of the money that he would be earning towards people less fortunate. But it doesn't mean that Dom doesn't deserve that money himself, too. He absolutely does, and he deserves to get paid for that because he is a a figure in Gonzaga's history. He's a, he's a known person. You know, he has... He particularly hasn't even played all that much yet. He's going to be much more known after this upcoming season. But I think that that's the kind of stuff that is is a really cool way to see NIL being utilized. And there are so many people in Gonzaga's past who would have done similar things. And it's kind of it's it's sad that they didn't get the opportunity. And not just for themselves. You know, Dan Dickow should have got paid at Gonzaga. Kevin Pangos should have got paid while he was at Gonzaga. Corey Kispert should have got paid. Like all of those guys should have gotten paid. But I also think that they could have had some really fun deals with companies 
that have similar messages to them. And I think that some of that money would have ended up going to charity. And that's kind of kind of a big part of the crime, too, is that th- that didn't happen because of that for, for such a long time as well. All right. That is going to do it for me today. We got guests galore coming out this week, at least two different episodes with guests on it, potentially more as well. We're going to be discussing Gonzaga's new signees. We're going to be discussing more about this Bracket Buster stuff. We're going to talk all sorts of fun stuff this week, so do not miss out right here on the Locked on Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked on Zags your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen the Locked on NBA Draft podcast. With the college basketball season wrapped up, give Raphael Barlow and a flurry of guests a listen as they prepare for the NBA Draft. Hear thoughts on Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, and the rest of the NBA's future stars on Locked On NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!